0: Well, uh, good evening. It's a little after 6.30 p.m., I believe. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Was Donald Trump racing in the Kentucky Derby (laughs) on Saturday? There seems to be a controversy about the outcome of the race. Um, the two most overrated minutes in sports <laughs> <laughs> well you know it 's- it's actually pretty exciting i i i haven 't caught the derby in a while but uh i'm pretty amazed at how exciting that race tends to be um Of course, the only time that I ever remember watching much horse racing was in seventy three when Secretariat was oh yeah, i remember that that was that was the thoroughbred of all time.
1: Well, it's uh, in the midst of the NHL playoffs, there's two really good game sixes on tap for later tonight. Right on. I can't understand how, um, being a big hockey fan, how anything else can even come close to the excitement of playoff hockey.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing that's fascinating about this, uh, this was a judge's ruling, sort of a commission that disqualified the horse. That quote one that was the favorite but uh big payoff from the long shot wow 65 to one Ooh, that doesn't happen very often in any horse race let alone the kentucky derby anyway uh, uh, video replay yeah it's a uh, blessing and a curse it's a pretty amazing shot in sunday's uh new york times in the sports section seeing those four horses just right next to each other it's like amazing Coming down the backstretch, anyway. Enough sports for gray matters this evening. Um, I had to look up s- "snit." <laughs> I was like, "What? What does that mean?" And I looked it up, and what a weird characterization! Yeah, by the way. Yeah. I, well, I looked at. I first of all, I checked my 1940 edition of Funk and Wagnall's College College Edition. I I like having an old dictionary every now and then to see how language has changed and it didn't have the word in it. Um uh, maybe a, I think it's a maybe a British. Well, it's English interesting. Expression. I looked it up in the American Merriam-Webster and it says uh origin unknown 1939. So it literally hmm. was created I'm sure that the Funk and Wagnalls 1940 edition of the dictionary was published uh before 1940. Anyway, it just means state of agitation. Origin unknown. But it's
1: a derisive term. It's meant to imply... It sounds dirty. It's meant to imply a sort of pettiness. Like, oh, I'd say that it's in the same uh, linguistic realm as getting your knickers in a twist or having a hissy fit. Right. Um, And those are the characterations that Barr is trying to put out there that... Robert Mueller, who's been held up pretty much by everybody except uh, Clown Pants himself as a sort of paragon of of public service uh, and decent, respectable behavior. Uh, Barr wants to characterize him as like some teenage girl having a hissy fit. Why? Is, of course, a very interesting question.
0: Yeah, and and Barr is... uh shall we say, a professional dissembler. Yeah, uh, that's generous. (laughs) He's unfortunately going to bear a striking resemblance to Ed Meese for all kinds of reasons. Mm, Yeah, I've
1: been thinking that too. The way Ed Meese
0: handled the Iran-Contra cover-up. He was the attorney general at the time of that uh, event. But uh, I think that the reason that Barr, by the way, didn't actually appear before the House Judiciary Committee was that was actually where he... Would have been confronted with perjury issues because that's where he originally Precisely. Yeah. testified uh, misleadingly, to say the least. And- well, and even
1: if they were going to uh, go about questioning him without the use of uh, staff lawyers, you know, congressional staffers with legal teams working at their disposal, uh, the questions would still have been guided and driven by that legalistic concern for... We've got to try and nail this guy down on what exactly he's trying to manipulate us about here. And, yeah, I, I thought exactly the same thing, that like he's afraid of perjuring himself.
0: And, um, <clears throat> you know, how this sort of works its, itself out is, is all speculation at this point. I don't really see why Trump it, it keeps claiming that he didn't do anything wrong. Why he's now putting up road roadblocks for everything uh, in his path? And well, yeah, I mean, you know, just filing really, a lawsuit
1: really quickly on that point to say uh, zero compliance to any subpoena. I mean, he's behaving as though he feels he's been given a license to uh, continue to obstruct justice in plain sight. You don't just issue a blanket statement saying we are not going to entertain any subpoenas because part of the Constitution that he took an oath to uphold and defend, although I suspect he has not yet read, is that Congress has an important oversight function and has a legal claim to access to documents and to material witnesses. And it's been announced this afternoon that Mnuchin has said, oh, the Treasury is not going to comply with the request to uh, give over the tax forms. Teapot Dome. The law is very clear on this. The 1924 law from the Teapot Dome, exactly exactly, stating that, uh, I think it's uh, Ways and Means Committee, um, has the absolute right to look at any American citizen's tax documents.
0: And Teapot Dome, for those paying attention at home, when I was a kid, this is before Watergate, Teapot Dome was considered the biggest scandal in American history. And it involved a uh, secretary of uh, interior, I think his name was Fall, which is a perfect name for a guy involved in a political scandal. In the Harding administration. In the Harding administration. It involved oil leases and uh, bribery, Uptin. basically.
1: Yeah, Upton Sinclair actually goes into some good mm-hmm. background detail on uh, the Teapot Dome scandal in his book, Oil, uh, that was Partially used for the story, uh, There Will Be Blood. Oh, yeah, what a great movie that is. Great movie and
0: uh, a very good book, especially now that the
1: Teapot Dome has become au
0: courant. Well, and the thing is, it's a specific law from the Teapot Dome scandal. It's not like it's an imaginary uh, request coming out of nowhere. Uh, Trump's uh, refusal to submit documents and whatnot is, well, it's consistent with his obstructionism that's been evident all along. But one of the interesting things last week is he filed a lawsuit. Trump loves to sue. Is he a boy named Sue? (laughs) I don't know. I think Johnny Cash ought to be consulted on that one. But uh, this uh, lawsuit that he fired involved Deutsche Bank. And it's quite interesting that uh, on the 3rd of February this year... uh, In what I call real reporting by the New York Times, they point out that in 2016, um, Donald Trump, and they have a photograph of him. It's a wonderful photograph. The children are to the right on the stage to Donald Trump's left, and there's a couple of beefeater guards behind him. He's at his golf course. In Turnberry Resort in uh, Scotland, I believe. Turnberry. It's one of his four or five resorts that he owns. And the article details how Trump had loaned his campaign a lot of money uh, <clears throat> before the general election, mm-hmm. and that he was trying to replenish those funds by getting a loan from Deutsche Bank. Uh, the article goes into detail uh, Donald Trump's highly irregular banking practices uh books i've read by the way point out that trump has borrowed as much as 2.5 billion dollars over the years from deutsche bank and that this money has come to trump's <clears throat> little greedy hands because he can't get financing in the new york banks he's declared bankruptcy so much so often and has shafted so many people that uh He uh, has to go abroad to get money, and this, I think, is still at the heart of some of the inquiries that are still being made, some of these so-called pending investigations that Barr has redacted uh, from Volume 1 in particular. But it's fascinating that uh, Trump's solution to this problem, uh, Deutsche Bank began becoming, quote, as the article puts it, a little concerned with uh, Trump's uh, comments. Senior executives, and I'm quoting from the article here, in New York's uh, Deutsche Bank, balked, arguing that Mr. Trump's candidacy made such uh, loan-making unacceptably risky. The three people said in part they feared that the bank's reputation could be harmed if the transaction were to become public because of the polarizing statements Mr. Trump was making on the campaign trail. By the way, this request for a loan comes from June of 2016, shortly after Don Jr., uh, Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort met Russians in Trump Tower. Uh, There in the background are uh, Eric, Donald, and... Ivanka, I don't know what she's doing in Scotland, but there she is. Um, And the way they got around this, um, when I referred to the public bankers in New York, is that Trump went to what's known as a private bank within the Deutsche Bank bureaucracy. And his ally in such loan acquisitions was a woman named Rosemary Vrabel, a senior banker in the New York office. In 2013, she was the subject of a a flattering profile in The Mortgage Observer, a real estate magazine owned by Jared Kushner. So this is how this works. She's given this sort of cushy coverage, and I'm sure that this publication, The Mortgage Observer... It's fascinating reading. <laughs> it's, it the ranks crossword up, puzzle is quite challenging, too, I bet. <laughs> ranks up there with Shakespeare, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, this is the, the woman who funneled money to Trump um, so that he could transform the Washington old post office building right across from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. This, of course, is at the heart of the emoluments cases, that are still percolating in the courts. So, of course, Trump has filed a um, lawsuit to prevent these documents from being released. Uh, Deutsche Bank's uh, legal grounds to withhold these documents, I'm a little unclear what they are. I mean, aren't these lawsuits just...
1: Another stall tactic? Sure. I mean, it's slow walking, foot dragging, stall tactics. That's their best hope against the inevitability of revelation. I mean, that really seems to be their only real strategy is... You know, because the story has changed so much. Oh, you know, there were no connections with Russia. Why would there be connections with Russia? Well, there might have been connections with Russia, but there was no collusion to. Well, okay, so there were contacts with Russia, but uh, oh, it's been determined that there was no criminal uh, culpability there. So, uh, well, why hide any of it then? Uh, So it's just more. Delay. They think they can just put it all off and just continue to roll along.
0: Well, and play the political card of daring the Democrats to uh, commence impeachment hearings. Uh, I think there's been a lot of incredibly inaccurate historical reporting about the impeachment of Bill Clinton, by the way. That impeachment occurred after the 20 or excuse me, after the midterm elections in 1998. Now, it's true that the House Judiciary Committee, along party lines, had recommended further investigation before the election. If you'll recall, Ken Starr, the sexiest sex cop, In American history. Well, who gave his filthy little
1: report in entirety to Congress. Yeah, no redactions, no... None whatsoever, because... He he went to the printer and uh, said... uh, High school kids were downloading and printing the juicier
0: segments of that on their school library printers, I can tell you for a fact. No concern for legalisms or privacy or all these things that Mr. Barr has uh, suddenly been raising. But what's interesting about this uh, 3rd of February uh, 2019 article, and I should uh, acknowledge the authors themselves, David Enrich, Jesse Drucker, and Ben Protests, is that this is about a loan that Trump was trying to secure in 2016, June, almost three years ago. This is how the media works. These investigative reporters mm-hmm. have to dig up a lot of stuff. Lots of stuff's being covered up. Lots of people are lying. Um, lots of people don't want to admit that they might have loaned money to Donald Trump. Well, you've got to verify things in, yeah. in a couple of different ways. and So this is why investigations take a while. I, you know, I keep hearing, oh, there's nothing to find. Mueller, you know, spent two years on it. He's wasted $25 million dollars. Trump claims it's $30 million now. Uh, I keep reminding people, by the way, that Paul Manafort's been fined $25 million. So that, that that investigation broke even at worst. At worst. And it might even turn out to be a profit-making venture. I think there's the potential for that. Donald Trump ought to look into that. That's <clears throat> apparently how he determines foreign policy. Uh, uh, he makes foreign policy decisions based on... Are we making money off of this? What What do the books say? You know, and of course, this is part of this obsession that he's got with uh, the tariffs and the trade deals and everything else. But what we saw last week, oddly enough, was the weakness of Donald Trump again on display.
1: Well, in a couple of different ways. Yeah.
0: One of which was when handed
1: the best piece of news that any president can receive. You know, a, a really uh, strong and salient uh, economic uh factoid or statistic namely that unemployment is at a uh a record low um that he wasn't able to sort of roll with that and just let that be the story he had to go off on another tangent and I don't know whether it was the tariffs with china or Well some that other ended up being a Sunday
0: uh Surprise for the markets and uh, the global markets were way down today. Apparently, China uh, lost about five million or five percent of uh, the biggest loss they've had in three weeks. Trump thinks he's holding some some ace cards somewhere. Let's look at the Venezuelan coup or whatever you want to call it. Now, things in Venezuela are murky. Uh, I'm no defender of Maduro. He's got all kinds of problems and the technicalities about the constitution and who the rightful president actually is is a matter of debate but <clears throat> here is the american government you know its fingerprints are all over this and this is going nowhere why because john bolton and elliot abrams are in charge mm-hmm. we've got cotton mather with his mustache And Elliot Abrams, a discredited Iran-Contra figure, uh, trying to organize a, I I call it piling on the bandwagon, a coup d'etat attempt by America. There were serious negotiations going on several months ago, and Mr. Guado, our man in Caracas, so to speak, uh, was, you know, I want more protests, I want this to happen, and nothing's happening, really. And then, of course, we have this surreal thing where Trump calls up Putin on Friday. And they have this hour-long conversation. A little chat. You see the Donald with his hair in
1: curlers and laying on his belly there and on his princess telephone. Yeah,
0: where they reinforce the notion that it's a Russian hoax. Oh, ha, 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 (laughs) ha, ha, ha. You know, because Vladdy, can you be a character witness at my impeachment? <laughs> Who knows what they were talking about? Well, but it, apparently Donald Trump is determined to keep Russia out of Venezuela. I mean, but not necessarily out of American elections. Right.
1: <laughs> oh, because, you know, hey, that worked out OK. Um, so he wants to make America great uh, again, too, as it so happens. Who knew that? Putin wanted to make
0: America great again. Exactly. He, Trump, of course, is making Russia great again. Uh, because if you look at the big picture of Putin's agenda, Trump is executing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. He's disrupting on almost every front. Uh, almost every front. He's you know, he's creating problems with the Europeans. He's uh he can't get the NAFTA bill through because he refuses to take the tariffs down on aluminum and steel. Canada and Mexico are unified. They're saying we're not going to sign anything. They've signed a memorandum of understanding. So they have signed a piece of paper. But they've told Trump repeatedly, and this signing, by the way, it took place like six months ago. This is how incompetent Donald Trump is. He has told us time and time again about his deal with China. It's right around the corner. Well, who knows? Here he is attacking China yet again on Twitter after he spends one of his nights of recovery from playing golf all day uh, with the Nutter Butters and God knows what else in that bedroom of his. I don't think Melania is there. Well, Tiger Woods there right now, so
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> no comment of- on that, for me,
0: yeah, and you know, one interesting thing that <clears throat> Barr did actually testify to when he appeared on Wednesday. Just wanted to read this because it's it is actually interesting. This is what the attorney general said: "No, I didn't exonerate Mr. Trump of obstruction." Mr. Barr said at one point, I said that we did not believe there was sufficient evidence to establish an obstruction offense, which is the job of the Justice Department. So here's the Attorney General even admitting under oath that he did not exonerate Trump. But, of course, what he did was he sowed the seeds of confusion. He muddled everything up. And uh, whether Mueller actually... Testifies. It's it's kind of unclear. He's allegedly currently a employee of the Justice Department. So as of tomorrow, they can prevent him from um, testifying. But he's soon going to be a private citizen. And it strikes me that at this point, it's quite clear that there was no collusion between Robert Mueller and Attorney General William Barr. There was absolutely no collusion in the report. Barr, on the one hand, says, I don't want to release summaries. And then he releases his summary. That's the first thing he did. (laughs) He goes, I don't want I didn't want to put it out piecemeal. I don't know. His explanations are I knew remarkable. I knew we were going to be loaded
1: uh, another sack full of crap from William Barr, no matter what Mueller's findings were. The moment that they showed that clip in the Oval Office when Trump was toying with the idea of signing a proclamation uh, declaring that, uh, uh, yes, I declare an emergency on the southern border. Right. And Barr stood right there and said, Mr. President, it is fully within your power and authority to do this ridiculous stupid needless thing which is really just a stunt and not a serious maneuver uh, i was like oh boy there you go that there's william barley and all his cards down right there he wants to serve a king and whatever democrat emerges from the primary process and it's early days yet people haven't started to get ugly there i hope it won't get ugly amongst them because i'd like to see more of a team effort to say hey there's some important stuff going on here and arguing about uh, differences and approaches and personality and style are kind of beside the point here. But very clearly, we have a party who are comfortable with the idea of the president as king. Yeah. And I think from Mitch McConnell on down, the Republican Party have just said we are cool with the idea of a king.
0: Right. And let's remember, by the way, that even the emergency at the southern border is being pursued in court as a separations of powers case. Mm -hmm. Trump has got a lot of these legal uh, boiling kettles on his or wait, boiling teapot domes (laughs) on his stove, uh, not on his stove top hat, uh, but on the stove because he keeps wanting this sort of thing. And, of course, he makes so many unsubstantiated claims. How fascinating, you know, to learn yet again that that big manufacturing facility in Wisconsin um, hasn't even started. Uh, There are debates about the $3 billion of tax abatements that Governor Walker, Scott Walker, Mm -hmm. gave to Foxconn. You'll remember that Trump had a Big press conference bragging about the fact that this LCD, LED facility, whatever they want to call it, it was a multiple manufacturing facility, was going to create, you know, 25,000 jobs in in Wisconsin. Well, that's not happened yet. We now, by the way, are learning that to save manufacturing jobs at the Whirlpool Corporation— uh, located here in the state of Michigan, the federal government has been spending eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars per job in subsidies, and uh, well, bribery. I, it, you know, it's it's remarkable. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, they they had a, a story about the impact of these tariffs. On the price of washing machines here in the United States. They've gone way up. Well, the manufacturers of washing machines thought we can raise the price of dryers as well. So, you know, here you have the impact of of the tariffs. And Trump keeps asserting that China is paying for the tariffs. Wrong. Americans are paying for them. They're paying with higher Uh, consumer prices, Uh, there's no evidence it's creating jobs. Even Trump's boom is a little phony. Uh, It's interesting to compare, by the way, this is just an example of these uh, fishy uh, employment numbers that keep coming out. In uh, February of 2013, when we were still allegedly in a very deep recession, Notice that the um, federal government uh, created about 286,000 jobs. And the month before that, they created 300,000 jobs. This is when Barack Obama was president. How interesting to compare the share of the population with the latest job figures uh, when you look at 2013 compared to today because hmm. we keep getting this myth that the economy is booming. And I keep saying what evidence is there of that is no. beyond the stock market itself. You know, it's it's going along <clears throat> sideways. We're not we we don't have major problems, but the the reality is most of the manufacturing corporations in America are actually complaining about the lack of finding workers. Many businesses can't be created because there simply are no employees in many areas to do the work. Um, This is one of the reasons the jobs numbers are a little phony. Let's remember, by the way, that in 2001, as youngsters are entering the job market, when you turn 18, you pretty much are planning on going to college, maybe going away from home, or you're going to go out and find a job. Well, there were 4 million children born in 2001 in the United States of America. We should be creating um, 200,000 jobs a month. That's not a spectacular number. That's just consistent with the demographics that we have here in the United States. And it's very unclear with these, quote, jobs created what they really are. Gig jobs? Oh, well, now we're growing marijuana out and. Humboldt County in a in a barn. It's a manufacturing job, by golly. So the government has all kinds of very arbitrary definitions about what a job is.
1: Well, and when you think, too, that places like Walmart can like reduce everybody's hours, and suddenly they've got the same number of employees that they had, but now most of them only have
0: 30 hours a week. And, of course, Trump creates lots of jobs. Uh, all of his uh, cabinet officials... <laughs> that are forced to resign or, or are fired. I find it interesting now that they're trying to claim that Michael Flynn was fired by Trump. He was not. He was allowed to resign. Does that matter? Yeah, it does, actually. It's, it's, uh, there's a difference. Many of us may euphemistically think that there isn't, but there really is. Uh, Michael Flynn is at the heart of Donald Trump's obstruction. And let's remember one important fact, historical. The day after Donald Trump fired James Comey, who, by the way, has an outstanding piece in, I think it's Thursday's New York Times, about how Trump lulls people into acquiescing to his lying, public and private, that it's a situation where people are reluctant to raise their hand and object. It's fascinating. I really recommend that one. But the day after Trump fired Comey, which, of course, is at the heart of the uh, necessity of the Mueller investigation to begin with, um, he meets with the Russians in the White House. They have a very friendly meeting. Yeah. And and the only way you have any photos of it is through TASS,
1: which was like the ultimate spit in the face, really.
0: Yeah, they wouldn't let the American photographers in, but the Russians were allowed to uh, photograph the president and Kislyak and Lavrov, um, Trump's friends, uh, probably reassuring them that there would be no further investigations into the Russian matter. I've taken care of it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's obviously why Trump went on television two nights later and told Lester Holt. It was because of the Russian thing. In other words, Trump can't even keep his lies straight at this point. And the media needs to get back to not comparing this to Clinton, because I don't think it has any analogies to the Bill Clinton case. This is definitely more like Watergate. This is, let's remember that the House Judiciary Committee in 1973 began to meet on impeachment.